Hey, welcome to the Bodcast Podcast. My name is Don. I'm Scott. Now what? Still Scott. I don't know. Still Scott. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, don't you usually say, I don't know. Usually we get right into something. Yeah, we really do. Welcome to... Wait, I already said that. Yeah, you already did. Um. Um. Yeah. This could be the most banter-free episode ever. I was just thinking, yeah. Because we kind of bantered a little bit before we even started. Yeah, we also like... We kayaked yesterday, so oh, we yeah. we got all of our conversation out. Yeah, we we went kayak thirteen miles yesterday, something like that. Yeah, because I thought it was twelve. Actually, I found out it was thirteen. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Oh man, so I I made a Facebook post bragging about my twelve. Oh, see, and now I you thought, can. I was like, we definitely went past that twenty-seven marker. Yeah, which means that we went more than the twelve or whatever. Yeah, because I thought I thought it was. 12 and then when they, when they got the keys there's this big sign that had you know they, they got the 8 mile the 5 mile and the 13 mile and they oh. pulled my keys or my keys off the 13 mile yeah, I get home talk to the family they're like hey how was kayaking and I'm like oh, yeah, blah 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 it's great yeah here's some pictures it'll be nice and um, they still don't know about the dog oh I, I forgot all about it till like this morning oh yeah like, oh yeah dog followed us for like 2 miles yeah, because, well, that dog really, like, we, we thought that it was, like, a house far away or whatever, and because yeah. we could see a house that was far away, and then it just followed us, and they'd cross from one li- side to the next and just yeah. kept following it would, it would us. jump in the river and swim across. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are kind of afraid it was going to just jump in the kayak and take us out with it, but. That was my biggest fear, is that, or it had, like, I don't know, ticks or rabies or something, mm-hmm. and it would jump on the kayak, and then we'd be infested or And eat us or something. or something, yeah. Yeah. So it's who can kayak the fastest, and. Yeah go from there but then he uh, this uh, for the listener i mean i know you were there but the dog then crossed the river and started bugging other people yeah (laughs) it was like done with us it was like forget you these people will probably talk to me and i had like a collar and everything yeah so i don't know what what it was and i think near the end i was more interested in wanting to go back to get pictures of the car graveyard yeah um that was so odd so you're like on a river in indiana and ultimately you have this there were tires everywhere. So really, if you ever needed a tire, a spare one, there was plenty of them. And then we saw like these, I don't know, there was this part of the river that had, we called it the car graveyard. And it had all of these cars that had to have been in like somewhere near the 50s or 60s or, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, all uh, Imagine like, and it's not just like, like we're not exaggerating. Like imagine like that whole like 50s Chevy. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that, like with the wings in the back and all that. And they were like pure metal. Yeah. Stacked kind of on top of each other, mm-hmm. but like on the bank of this river going all the way down. I don't know how to explain it to yeah. someone who hasn't seen it. Cars stacked on top of each yeah. other, but like so old and rusted out. And yeah, it wasn't like a, it, it wasn't like some kind of art installation or something. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as far as we know. Right. It, it wasn't like painted fresh and anything. It looked like. Like it looked like a a ten car pileup happened, and they just like ah, just push all the cars into the river. Yeah, That's or just cars would randomly just fly off this part. Yeah, and, and so here's a pile of cars that we just didn't have tow trucks invented yet. Or right. Something. <laughs> yeah. That was a, that was odd, and because they're all older, it wasn't like new cars or anything like that, and they they were pure the metal type and everything. Yeah, you can see like all this surface rust all over them, and mm-hmm. I I was semi joking, and I was like, there's a a place we could have docked the kayak mm-hmm. i would have got because it, it was kind of like some it was pretty steep and there were rocks at the edge and it's like if i could dock the kayak and get out and take a look and explore them a little bit like mm-hmm. that'd be pretty cool but 
who knows maybe they're not stable like you pull on, well i don't know some yeah. of them had like roots and stuff growing through them and trees coming out of them so and, well the hard part though is we didn't see what was covered by the water so there could have been a lot of metal right underneath there it could have grabbed your leg or so like with not metal, having that land not alive it wasn't like the terminator was well, no there. but if you get if you get stuck like on the oh, windowsill yeah, of one of those to... and like you still have the current of the river that's pulling you in. As I said yesterday, last year I got a tetanus shot when I drove <laughs> a nail through my leg. So I'm good. I can play at the r- rusted cars. And All right. <laughs> I don't know if that's how that works. Then we saw some cows. Like I actually was almost ready to get out and like go pet the cows. But because um, really did, it was Did just... I ever tell you when I got in trouble in Indiana for petting cows? No. Did you really? So I had uh, moved down here. And was living in a city called Hamilton that was, I wouldn't say it was close to Indiana, but maybe Mm -hmm. an hour, would you say? Hamilton, yeah. Hamilton, Indiana. And uh, I drove just over the border, um, just out of like trying to get to know the area, just out of curiosity and, you know, kind of stuff like that. And I drove over the border of Indiana and I was going to like get gas and turn around and come back to Ohio and keep my exploring. And uh, I saw this farm and there were cows and it was like almost dark it was like dusk to um, like Mm -hmm. like you know it was there wasn't a lot of sun in the sky whatever right and uh i pull over to the side because there's this field with cows in it and i just walk up and the cows are kind of near the fence i pet one of the cows and uh turn around and out of nowhere this lady's like what are you doing to the cows and i was like oh i just pulled over i just saw the cows i just petted one she's like okay you need to go now i was like i do need to go now okay All right, yeah, I don't want to end up being cow food or something out there. But right. Yeah, I just, not a terribly great story. Just, a, what was I, 20, 19, 20 years old? Oh, wow, like, okay. Oh, a cow. I never petted a cow before, you know, and that was my introduction. Okay. And I, in the back of my head, I was like, cows are just like big, dumb dogs. Mm-hmm. Like, they just kind of look at you. They got these, kind of this dog, dumb look in their eyes. Like, I don't know. And they just kind of sit there and look at you yeah, and they, sleep and rest or whatever. I'm sure there's cases of aggressive cows out there, but oh, these sure cows were not in any mood to... Uh, what, what are they going to do, charge the fence? Like, <laughs> well, the ones we saw yesterday, we didn't even see a fence. We just saw, like, two cows just chilling next to the river. Yeah. And it's like, um, okay, in the woods. So we're like, okay. And then we also saw the dead carcass of what could have been a cow that got tossed into the river after it died. Oh, yeah. We yeah. saw, like, skeleton. We're like, is that a dead body? So now like, everyone's like, a dead body, yes. When we started, like, oh, kayaking in Indiana sounds awesome. <laughs> now they're like, I'm going to stay away from Indiana. Uh-huh. Because you could very much see the rib cage of this thing. Yeah. It's, it's just the head kind of looked like it had antler, not antlers, but horns. So it, we were hoping it wasn't a human body. And when I was using the oar, I lifted it out of the water, kind of a funny angle. The one time I splashed myself with it, and mm-hmm. I was like, well, I just got the you know, dead carcass germs all in my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's still here, though, so no no brain-eating amoebas. amoebas or something. Yet. I don't know how long it takes that to take hold. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Could be Could be tomorrow. Could be the. You'll have to get a new podcast host. Oh, um, just you, tell my wife you need the uh, the the red Reebok bag, and she'll hand it over to you. Okay, if I and they'll away. tell me all the details on that. Uh, you'll figure it out. Okay, it, Google it. Okay, Google good. focus right, and so this may be a solo mice. gig in two weeks. Yeah, um, depending on how the hospital visits. Go. Right. Okay. Cool. <laughs> all right. So with that, I guess you did get banter. Yeah. Um, and Deuteronomy. Yes, banter. Um, has talked about I think where if you come in contact with a dead body. You're supposed to what? Go outside the, the city gates or something, or yeah, cleanse but we yourself just ro- or... our boats far away. 
Yeah, you're supposed to wash, hopefully not in the dirty river. Right. And kind of, that's, you know, it was going down the river, so maybe we went upriver and washed. Okay, that's fair. I don't know. So you just have to go a little bit upriver to wash. Yeah. Okay. You just don't want to be where that carcass was. Okay. Of course, who knows what the cars leak into the river as well. You know, that's true. Yeah, those are old cars. Though. I was going to say, the, the oil and gas probably were out of those by now. Yeah, we probably already drank that water. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. I so a good segue. You did, and I wrote yeah. it. So. Yeah, I was going to say, I kind of right. had it, but it. and I don't even know if that was Deuteronomy. That might have been Leviticus. Yeah, it's more Leviticus. Yeah. I can't talk. Leviticus. It's going to hurt for a podcast if I can't talk. Yeah. Might be a solo gig this week. Yeah. Um, I'll just be over here spouting gibberish. <laughs> we'll delete my track. However, that could be interesting. I mean, we might be able to make <laughs> get lots of extra subscribers. Yeah. I can hear that one where the guy that goes blah, 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 blah. <laughs> All right, so today um, we are jumping into a song, um, and Moses is going to be the singer. Um, we ha- have had some um, lots of obey God's commands and live a long life type stuff throughout Deuteronomy. Uh, do you think Moses sang, Father Abraham had many sons, and his son said, Father Abraham? I mean, I guess he could have. He was one of them. Yeah, he was. And would. so are you guys. So let's, let's just, just melt down this cap and make you drink the water. Uh, I was gonna say, yeah, they made him drink the the gold the, the yeah. gold water. Absolutely, yeah. Hmm, that would have been an interesting <laughs> song. That maybe that was a worship song after he was. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that well, was I mean, his I mean, son. That, that's the second verse that got lost in the. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kids so don't just sing when that you one. thought we were getting into the Bible, so <laughs> took us back out of it. So this time, I promise we'll we'll get into Deuteronomy. You should never make an oath. Jesus says that. Let your yes be yes and your no be no or something like that. Okay, this time I'm saying yes, we will get into Deuteronomy. (laughs) All right, so with that, um, we will start with Deuteronomy um, chapter 31, verse 30. And then we will go on to chapter 32, verse 1 through um, probably the introduction, so 1 through 6. And it says, Then Moses spoke the words of the song until they were finished in the ears of all the assembly of Israel. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, like a gentle rain upon the tender grass and like showers upon the herb. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. They have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you, who made you and established you? Ah, yes. All right. So with that, I I guess we're introduced to this song. Um, However, um, if you go to Christopher Wright, he kind of looks at it as like a court case. Um, and this is kind of the introduction um, of the, the court case that, that God is bringing uh, Israel to. Um, 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 oh. Some quality podcast. So anyway, right there. <laughs> um, this song um, summons the heavens and the earth uh, to basically listen. So the witnesses um, that are a part of this um, are ultimately the heavens and the earth. Um, usually back with secular treaties, um, they would have the gods and goddesses, which would be the witnesses, um, and they would be the ones that uh, 
um, could ultimately be a witness to the, to the treaty that was being set up. Um, specifically, um, he is calling, again, the heavens and the earth to be witnesses. Um, this is kind of a lawsuit um, of God against um, the people. Um, the purpose of this song, um, obviously, because they, they have not necessarily come to this place yet, um, but it's a song to kind of teach them what happens if they choose to obey or if they choose to not obey. Um, the rock is God. Um, God is um, ultimately utterly dependable. Um, he is empty of wrongdoing and he is the integrity of uh, or he is the foundation of integrity and justice, according to w- what Chris Wright has to say about that. Um, verse five brings in the crooked and the corrupted generation. So we're talking about um, they have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. Um, and so that's what I have. Wow. You just blew it all out right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I remember we were talking about this in the pre that I think my, the commentary I was using made like a quick note about this being, uh, like a court case, but he didn't mm-hmm. dwell on it as much. And what's funny is he did uh, cite, he actually, he cited himself and Christopher Wright a lot. So he obviously has a different book out there he wants me to read. Right. Uh, but uh, a couple of things that came up, uh, verse two is actually very interesting. And there's this kind of odd juxtaposition with verse three uh, that works with it. Uh, it says, may my teaching drop as the rain. My speech distills as the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass and like showers upon the herb. And the symbolism of rain throughout scripture is often used to uh, talk about a blessing. So the rains in a arid climate in many cases or in a Mediterranean climate were what brought forth fruit. And if you didn't have that, you had famine. And if you ever read about droughts and famines throughout the Old Testament, especially, they're often very negative. It's a very dry area. But when you read about like replenishing and stuff like that, there's a water-based imagery, especially rain. (coughs) So even uh, Jesus, you know, there's the rain falls on the just and the unjust. We often think like, oh, bad things happen to us and the bad people. But actually what Jesus is saying, no, the good stuff can happen to both the righteous and the unrighteous. Hmm. So Moses here is saying... May my teaching be a blessing. May my speech distill like a blessing, like a gentle blessing upon tender grass. And like now what's funny, if you really dig into that, too, uh, grass is often the symbol of uh, something that's temporary Hmm. and wasted and burned sometimes. Uh, So may my rain fall upon you temporary beings. Uh, may my permanence fall upon your temporariness kind of thing. And like my shower and like showers or my blessings upon the herb, like let, let my words bring forth a fruit in you is like what Mm. he's saying. So Moses is placing himself or at least his words here as very high, very authoritative and also as a giant blessing onto the Israel people. Okay. So he's, he's really taking a place of like, if you heard a leader speak like this today, you would say it was arrogance. Okay. You would say like, hey, let my words bless you. What I'm about to say, let them bless you. Especially how he rips into them a little bit later through here. So, it, you know, it's like, hey, sit around. Grandpa's going to bless you with some words. And then Grandpa's like, listen here, you vile, crooked children. You know, it's it's a very interesting thing. But you get into verse 3. It says, for I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. And the root of the word greatness is a word that's also used uh 
to describe a man of arrogance in at least three to five other passages in the Old Testament. So Moses just stands up and says, let my, uh, you know, words be a blessing to you. And now let's describe uh, this arrogance to God. So at first you're like, hold on a minute, Moses, what you doing here? But in other literature in the ancient Near East, if you use this word to describe a deity, it was actually talking about the transcendent greatness of that deity. Really? So he's like saying, let my words bless you. Now he's using the word, but he could have used other words there as opposed to that word for greatness or hmm. like, you know, for the wonderfulness or splendor of God. But instead he's basically using a word that would have been used in other literature to describe the, uh, like transcendent greatness of God. But the word he chose is one that's also lofty. So it's, I don't know, it's just weird. You think like the humility of Moses it was all the way back to like, no, Lord, I can't speak. Like, you got to like have Aaron talk for me. And, Mo and God's like, yeah, sure, Moses. Aaron will be your mouthpiece. You apparently have a speech impediment. It's right. cool. You'll go to Pharaoh. So you have this humbleness of Moses, this fear of Moses. And then like, a, you know, shortly before he dies, he's like, listen up. I got some words for y'all. I got something important to say. And it's going to be like super important to you. And then he he's so he's putting himself in a great place. And then he takes God and puts God even in a greater place mm -hmm. over that. So it, he went from like this meekness that I'm not sure to like, oh, no, no, I know what's going on. He's He's got this wisdom and this like confidence that is oozing out of these two verses. Oh, wow. It's just interesting the way those two really played against each other. Oh, wow. And they're like, yeah, like I said, it's, it's kind of like, hey, I've got these great words for you. These words are like a blessing to you. So you better listen up. And they aren't just my words. Like, I'm going to proclaim the name of the one that's even more transcendent to my greatness, to your greatness, after basically referring to all them as tender grass and herbs, as like the little sprouts that will definitely be, you know, harvested or plucked or burned later on. Oh, wow. That's kind of cool. It's that a is weird really neat. The way yeah. That goes around. Wow. So that was the first couple of verses. Okay. <laughs> um, when you get into uh, the rock, this is where. Uh, I did a little more research as well. Um, we often hear that, like, the Lord is your rock. Mm -hmm. Let him be your rock. Let, let him be your foundation and stuff like that. And what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Now, you had some commentary behind you on this. But, you know, in reality, what was the first thing when somebody says that? That what? Like, let the Lord be your rock. What do you? Um, a rock, it doesn't move. Um, it's hard. It's solid. Um, it's sturdy. But do you think, like, what kind of rock do you put in your head? A big, gigantic boulder or a big, like, I guess a big, I guess I go back to, like, when, when I think of it, I think of it like build your house on it. So I think of it as a foundation. So it's like okay. yesterday if we're, we're going down the kayaking down the river, you see where all the erosion, things have fallen into the river um, due to the river coming by or the, the rains and that sort of thing. And, you know, we even mentioned how, ooh, that house is really close. Yeah. What happens if the river rises and then um, either floods the house or it falls in? Um, so, so it's not permanent. Where I see as a rock, I guess I still go back again to that teaching of Jesus where you build your foundation on a rock. Mm. And, and that rock isn't going to move. It doesn't matter how hard the river comes down. It doesn't how hard the rain comes down or the ocean waves come in. That rock is going to stand firm um, and that house is going nowhere. What does that look for? Uh -oh. oh, I got a text message that showed up on my screen. Oh, OK. I didn't know it was going to do that. 
Um, yeah, uh, I'm guilty of thinking of a rock as like a, a lawn decoration. Okay. Like something that's just not, you know, it's like maybe it has an address plate stamped on it. And right. Like, you can't move it by yourself, but if you get four or five friends, they could probably carry the rock, you know, yeah. around. Or like if you got the right pickup truck, it would, you know, you could fit in the back. But you may need the, the Home Depot load truck that you have to rent kind uh-huh. of thing. <clears throat> so like the the rock here is more like what you're talking about, but it's actually like uh, basically either a mountain or a rock formation. Hmm. So it's not even like a, a little rock or even a, a bigger rock. It's like something that doesn't move whatsoever because they would have looked around at the mountains and like you might have seen a boulder fall off a mountain, you know, right. you might have seen a, like what I'm thinking. You might have seen like, you know, oh, yeah, Wade, you know. Uh, 500 pounds, but you know, it still fell because the, you know, whatever gave out underneath, but there's a landslide or whatever. Right. But in reality, like the rock he's talking about here, like is the mountain okay. or the rock formation, the giant. So if you're, you know, I don't know, it, it put that in a more grandiose vision for me as opposed to what I, you know, it's like, it's not like a little, it's not Plymouth rock. Right. It's not like a little boulder or whatever that had to be moved or could be used in a, a house. Right. You know, it's like a big, giant it's unmovable thing hmm. but that's just me i have a small view apparently and <laughs> needed to uh the last thing i really got was um well i got a couple did you go through six right i went through six yeah so in five he says they have dealt corruptly with uh him they are no longer children of his because they are blemished they are crooked and twist generate twisted generation and uh uh Grisanti says that the translation of that would be, <laughs> you could almost translate it word for word as this. Non-children have dealt corruptly with him as is their blemish. Hmm. Like he, non-children. I like that. It's like not even like, it, it's like a weird vocal disownership. Like, well, <laughs> I think it goes on later on and, and I don't remember how far into 32 it gets, but he calls them their non-gods yeah. And then, yeah, it's like the same. So idea. yeah, so it's kind of that same idea where you went to your non gods, then I'm gonna go to my non children, and and so like he's almost a, a repayment. I don't know. I don't know if an eye for an eye would be a correct usage of that, but it's almost like, well, fine, you go to your non gods, then you know I'll go to my non children in order to <laughs> bring what you know. So like, that's a pretty harsh disownership maybe i don't know if that that would be true but um it's kind of a harsh statement yeah uh, or at least a very strong statement i like the uh uh they have dealt corruptly with him as is their blemish mm-hmm. almost like uh because we expected nothing less right like you're my non-children and you're fools and you're gonna do something dumb mm-hmm. so i might as well expect something dumb and you're gonna deal with me like this because you're dumb yeah like there, that's really kind of an interesting wording, and and this is before they even do anything again. Um, so like this is almost like he's just gone through the book of Deuteronomy, and he's now you know telling you get you got the choice of blessing, you've got the choice of curse. Be obedient, um, be obedient, be obedient. Follow my commands, etc. And really, it's almost like Moses is leaving, going, yeah, but this is probably going to happen. Yeah, I, I love Mo- pessimistic Moses. Like, I I can never go back and read any of the Pentateuch again and be like, yeah, Moses, here's the happy guy. Like, uh-huh. I just see him, like, with this, like, cloud over him everywhere <laughs> he goes now, grumbling. <laughs> so so what what kind of song is it? It's, it's probably not metal. 
I'm, um, I'm thinking it's like Doom. <laughs> oh, country. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just trying to think of what kind of genre it fits in. I, I'm thinking that it could be kind of that metal, like the Doom metal, maybe okay. that sludge metal. Or yeah. Like, yeah, it's definitely not that 80s happy metal. No, definitely it's not the 80s that, happy yeah. metal. I saw it. Yeah, this is definitely a... Starts off with a, let me bless you with my speech. You got a bunch of idiots. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not, it's the old switcheroo there. Yeah. Come yeah. around and listen to the song I wrote about you. <laughs> I hate you all. Um, the last thing for six that I got, this is the real last thing for that first section. Um, there's a debate. It says, do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Did you have anything about the word repay there? I did not. There, so there's a debate among scholars if that word should be repay or if that word should be begat. Hmm. Explain. So, so begat meaning to give birth to okay. or to bear is like in bearing children. So like, do you thus bear the Lord? So do you, did you give birth to the Lord? You foolish, senseless people. Is he not your father who created you, who made you and established you? So it definitely plays off of the reverse there. Like as opposed to a pagan idol or a, a lifeless idol that you would have given birth to. He's saying, what, do you think that you made God? No, God made you. So the, the word repay there, while it potentially could be translated that way, it almost works better with the scholars that believe that that should be the word bear or begat. So I think later on, um, he actually addresses in 15 through 18. And I had to go back yeah, and remember. There's some birth um, language there. There's some birth language there, and he, I guess I don't want to get too much into that because, well, it goes back into the abandoned, deserted type thing, but to dishonor or disobey one's human father and mother was basically worthy of the death penalty, Mm -hmm. and so part of what's going on here is if they're being indicted for um, worshiping other gods or for turning away from God um, or turning away from their mother and father, that's almost like, well, here is what you deserve you know, the punishment and the penalty for disobeying or dishonoring your mother and father is, is the death penalty. Right. Um, so, I mean, I guess it would make more sense almost instead of repay to be begat, yeah, especially since he uses it later on in Deuteronomy 32. Right. Yeah. So, it seems like birth is a, a theme of the song. Yeah. It kind way. of fit. It kind of fits in there. But yeah. I, just, I, I like that better. Once again, in that verse alone. So the verse, once again, reads, do you thus repay the Lord? You foolish and senseless people. If you leave it there, sure. Repay makes sense. Right. But because the rest of that thought is, is not he your father who created you, who made you and established, there's this whole, no, no, no. He created you. He established you. It seems like you're reinforcing that point. Right. And at that point, the word repay doesn't make much sense. Mm-hmm. And both the NIV and the ESV translate it with repay. Okay. Um, I'd be interested to see, because like I said, if other scholars are arguing that it could be begat or bear. Right. I'd be interested to see if any translation decided to, you know, buck the trend and go with that. Go that but direction. I, I like that. Yeah, I do too. It just fits Better. It seems like it fits contextually much more than than the other. Yeah. Now, take that with a grain of salt, people. We are not scholars. No, we are not. We are just siding with scholars that <laughs> that's something we agree with. So, so yeah, now that I I just yeah I find all that to be fascinating. That's what I like about, and I say this many times on this podcast. Christopher Wright is pastoral. Mm-hmm. Michael Grisanti is academic. Right, and I just like that they play so well together, and you get some really because <clears throat> you might say like. 
oh well christopher Wright is solely pastoral no no he's a scholar yeah like he has some beautiful insights and you might say well like grisanti is just academic but man that's a beautiful insight to think mm-hmm. like oh you think you made god oh no 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 he established you he's mm-hmm. your father yep like get your get your positions in place son you know kind of it's, it's a different right different makeup that's what i got uh, up through six i like that i like it yeah, yeah thank, thanks grisanti for writing a one sentence that made me think like oh, I need to look hmm. into this so um which to be clear he did not pick a side that i recall okay on that he i don't think christopher i don't think mr christopher wright addressed that at all um he did address again later on the, the father mother perspective and and again he's looking at it from the perspective of a court case mm-hmm. um so although it, it is a song um and it is meant for teaching he sees this as a court case really brought against israel his people so this this day if you look at this as a court case and you go back to those first words of moses mm-hmm. it's almost like let me bless you with my testimony <laughs> well <I laughs> that's, mean, a, kind that's of, a lawyer speak right yeah there. absolutely yeah. um so i mean i guess he would almost be well i guess he would be the prosecutor he'd be the one that conducts the case against yeah like the prosecuting attorney maybe? right yeah or at least co-counsel yeah so I guess right now we have our um, we have our players. We have um, the witnesses um, being um, this is brought before heavens and, and earth, and, and they're here to listen and to to be witnesses to the court case. You have the rock um, being God, who is um, dependable um, and who is perfect. Uh, all his ways are justice, faithfulness um, has is without iniquity. Um, and then was not created, <laughs> was not created. Absolutely. And then you have the, the crooked and corrupt generation, specifically Israel that, that is choosing to, um, to, to disobey. Um, all right. So now we go on to, um, Siete. seven through 14. So chapter 32, verse seven through 14. And, uh, oh, my app just closed. All right. so my screensaver keeps turning on over here, so okay. tech yeah, is against us. My, my phone just went crazy. All right, so with that, uh, 7 through 14, um, Christopher Wright has this as being the specific indictment um, for kind of what's going on. Um, remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you, your elders, and they will tell you. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But but the Lord's portion in his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. Um, he found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. The Lord alone guided him. No foreign god was with him. He made him ride on the high places of the land, and he ate the produce of the field, and he suckled him with the honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. Um, Curds from the herd and milk from the flock with fat of lambs, rams of Bashan and goats with the very finest of the wheat. And you drank foaming wine, foaming wine from the blood of the grape. Yay. All right. Well, um, he does have a heavy metal way with imagery. He kind of does, actually. Yeah. Does this be a ballad or more of a heavier song? 
Uh, I'm thinking it's pretty heavy. I'm 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 leaning metalcore. Okay. Right now, so you might have some of those harmonies that or the clean vocals, but I'm definitely seeing some you know double bass pedal and okay, seven string down tune guitars. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with <laughs> so we're going a little more trivium, right? Maybe maybe uh, as I lay dying, if you're into that, or you know. Well, again, is as I lay dying. Do they have quite the clear vocals though? Yeah, they definitely do. Okay. Um, I was just thinking they're like because. They're probably one of the more aggressive, maybe fit for a king got style. It. You definitely got some clean vocals there. Okay, that's fair. You know, that's fair. Kids, if you need the metalcore, I'm I'm getting old, so metalcore is becoming more and more appealing. Yeah, to me, I'm here for you. Right. Yeah. Ghost inside. That's a, you know, I can't condone all of these. Some of these are secular with the parental advisory lyric all right. on them. And Donna's hip and cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just like the metal. Absolutely. And the hip hop. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely not a rap song. No, if this it's is, not. This is this is a propaganda slam. If this, well, it could be a country rap song. Be, no, this could be like think propaganda and is like his more like slam poetry oh. style. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Okay, that might all work. Right, all right. Might work. Moses the OG. Oh yeah. All right. Well, I did get the picture like <laughs> when it was in. Um, Every time I read, may my teaching drop as the rain. I always picture him dropping the mic, <laughs> like um, just because it's a song. So I mean, right there. Oh, Moses Theo. One thing's for sure: this will not be on Sesame Street. No, it will or not be parodied by a kid's pop. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, no. No, it's a little bit. Well, I know kids' pop does cover some things that should not be covered. You no, know, I realized that a couple. I was like trying to put that together, a little playlist for something we're doing with the girls, and I was like, hmm, oh, I'm not pop- quite Ooh. sure they should listen to this song. But you got a bunch of kids singing it, like, nah, nah, nah. I was yeah, like, uh, do you know what you're singing? Anyway, uh, um, back to Moses's song, and yeah. not. Kids Bop song. Moses and Propaganda. Um, so what are some of the things that you had in this one? I actually in this section I did not pull as much out. One thing that um if you're cool if I jump right to verse eight. Yeah. Um there's uh in the uh Masoretic text, uh they say sons of Israel instead of sons of God. So uh he says according to the number of the sons of God. I'll read the whole verse. When the most high gave the inheritance sorry. Try that again. Okay. We'll edit that in post. Got no, it. we won't. No, okay. Uh, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Uh, some argue that that was sons of Israel, and I believe that you see that in the King James text, sons of Israel. Right. Uh, which would be a later interpretation of what's going on there. But uh, some argue, and these are not just weird Book of Enoch type you know, uh, scholars, these are legitimate scholars, argue that there is a uh, council in heaven of God and his angels, and he has divided up the borders, and God is specifically watching out over Israel, his people, and he is allowing the angels to watch out over the others. Okay. That's the council in the heavens. That is argued by legitimate, like I said, not just people that read the book of Enoch and the weirdness that goes on there. Right, right. Gospel of Thomas scholars. These are... Bible believing, you know, fundamental learned people that you're probably reading that could make these claims. Uh, the later Sons of Israel comes out to look at the like a tribal mm-hmm. uh, divvying up of the land. Uh, but it, I don't know. I The whole heavenly council sounds interesting. It does. Yeah. Or is it just too much? And we're reading into poetry. Yeah, I don't know. So. Is it that's the, the argument? Yeah, is it the is it the dividing up via? 
I just kicked the table. <laughs> uh, is it the dividing up via the uh, tribes? Is it the uh, dividing up of some council in heaven that it could include God and the angel- angelic beings? Or is it poetic language? Okay. And my Lord of the Rings imagination loves the idea that God is like, and these angels will watch over these people. And like, but I will watch my people, Israel. You know, like, yeah, I, yeah. I know it's, it's kind of a neat Gandalf moment or something, but. Well, hopefully we're part of his people. Well, we are now. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah look at the true, eschatology yeah. of the Absolutely. church is yep. Israel and so on and so forth. The church is a replacement of Israel or the church is a continuation of Israel. I don't want to isolate anybody out there. Right. Uh, Dispies, Amos, we're friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, depending on how you look at that eschatologically, it could depend on how you see that. But regardless, yeah, we are his people. Uh, Paul wrote a, a whole book about it. It's called Galatians. Uh, that's the one where they cut. Yep. Anyway, um, <laughs> they go varsity. <laughs> Dude, I, all right. Sorry, people. <clears throat> Two weeks ago, I went on a, a seven and a half mile hike with my boys. So mm-hmm. I've had this wonderful outdoor uh, adventures the last couple of weeks. And uh, we were talking about um, Galatians. And my oldest is uh, doing that first Bible class. And I was like, man, I know that like you're you're doing your homework and your teacher probably isn't hitting this, but when you read Galatians, you got to read it read it as angry Paul, because that whole book is full of angry Paul. Like you don't call people you oh you foolish Galatians. It wasn't like oh bless your heart <laughs> you foolish Galatians. It was like I got it back from like you foolish Galatians. Like it was more like you know what are you thinking kind of thing. Um, and then we got to that, and I was like, hey man, there's even a point where he's like you need to just cut the whole thing off. And like mm-hmm. we had, that, that's a fun conversation with an 11 and a 12 year old. <laughs> oh, I bet. But yeah, so it's, it, it's kind of that same idea. It's going to be much, much harder for me to describe that to my daughters. Yeah. You might want to wait till they're older to, I'm going to have to borrow one of your sons so I can give that talk to. Uh, I mean, I got Ezra. Just He's next. In line, the, if you can wait about four years. Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. So they, right now he'd be like, Oh my gosh, when I described what circumcision was to uh-huh. them, they're like, ah! <laughs> That was probably loud. Sorry about your eardrums. But they're like, no, no. Are you serious? What? Did you what? <laughs> kind of thing. So that was, where were we? Okay, yeah, the, so yeah. So the na- nations divided up. We are God's people. Right. Depending on your eschatology, depends on uh, if you're Israel or the replacement of. And uh, back to Moses's. All right slam poetry so we have the prosecutor um and he's basically the lawyer who's conducts the case against the defendant in in criminal court um i'm assuming let's see the case proceeds with a speech by the prosecutor speaking on behalf of god so i'm assuming that that moses might be that prosecutor he's the one that's that's ultimately reminding them of all of the great things that god has done for them um, as he just all the, I guess, through everything they've experienced so far through the desert, he fed them, gave them things to drink, this treated would, them nicely and great, um, provided would, for their needs. We would definitely say um, Moses is often referred to as the greatest prophet uh, who ever lived. And with him being allowed to do this on God's behalf, um, and we know that it was allowed because obviously it's put in the scripture. Right. Um, is actually quite amazing. It really does give depth to why Moses was the greatest prophet because there is no other dissertation like this or like these throughout all of scripture. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yep. And you see, yeah, With that's such clarity very true. And I mean, in the other prophets, you do get some honesty, but mm-hmm. I, like there is just like a a brutal 
like we're gonna we're gonna open some wounds up here mm-hmm. and talk about it. Well, a lot of times you actually, it's almost sometimes you, I guess you lose sight of oh, when Moses, Moses is speaking and when God is speaking, and you're like, well, wait a second, who's speaking? And sometimes Moses is very clearly and confidently speaking on behalf of God uh, and, if you, and what he wants to tell his people. If you think of the other prophets, a lot of times you hear um, them say, and God told, or thus saith, yeah. God told me this to tell his people. With Moses, like you don't even get that part of the narrative. Right. You just get Moses spouting without the, it's almost like they trusted him to be that prophet. Right, right. And like you also get like the miracles that get worked through Moses's hands without the, you know, explanation of what's mm-hmm. going on kind of thing. Uh, you also get, if you put the court scene between this and a court scene with Job. Right. You get a vastly different. God represents himself in that scene. He doesn't have a prosecutor mm-hmm. or a prosecuting attorney or whatever. He's straight up Job, you know, put on your big boy boots. This is what's out here. He's like, you know what? Moses Moses got this. Right. And he, he trusts Moses with this. Very interesting. But sorry, go on. I interrupted. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, Just more thoughts in my head. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, anyway, so God has been faithful. He's been good to them. He's been like um, a motherly, fatherly figure, which which you kind of see this imagery actually continuing on from from earlier. And um, again, we're even going to see it, I think, when we get into 15 through 18. So um, we see where God has always been there for Israel. And Israel is not necessarily going to reciprocate um, their gratitude and or love towards God as, as they probably should for all that God has done for them. Uh, are you, I forget where you said. I can go through 18. Okay. Um. One one section I found w- with 11 that was interesting mm-hmm. about the eagles. Yeah. When, once again, there there's a conversation that, uh, like an eagle that stirs up its nest. Uh, some say that's basically the parental eagle throwing the eagle out to see if it can fly hmm. and then snatching it up again before it, it hits the ground because it can't. Oh, wow. Okay. So it, it's a very tough love picture. It's very much God saying, I'm going to see if you can fly. But he's also there providing the picture of protection to grab, you know, the, I guess it'd be an eaglet. Right. Uh, before it splatters all over the ground. Okay. So there's there's a great theology that plays out in that little, just that little picture there of God like saying, all right, I'm going to give you the abilities. I'm going to empower you to do it. You can't without me. Right. And I'm going to make sure that you're protected, though. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just a, it's another neat image. Okay. So that's the last I got. I, I okay. promise that time that I won't promise anymore. Which All right. Promise. No more promise. Right, because that's yeah. no. Th- oh, yeah, you should yeah. do that. So Full of fail, this podcast. <laughs> um, so now we've got 15 through 18. Um, Christopher Wright specifically says that this is the specific indictment. Um, so we have now seen where, where God has been um, very faithful um, with providing with protecting um, Israel and Israel is not going to reciprocate in in a very good positive way. And it says, um, you were mindful of the rock that bore you and you forgot the God who gave you birth. The Lord saw it and spurned, spurned them because of the uh, provocation of his sons and his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be. What are you reading? Oh, shoot. I was started 18. I was like, I lost my Sorry. Story. Okay, man. I, I started where I was supposed to end. My fault. That's all right. Hey, we won't fix it in post. All right, cool. All right. Um, <laughs> sorry. So verse 15 through 18 where I started. 
Um, br- but <laughs> Jerusalem grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, stout, and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him and scoffed at the rock of his salvation. They stirred him to jealousy with strange gods, with uh, uh, abominations. They provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you, and you forgot the God who gave you birth. So uh, we're in the we're in the thick of the slam now. That's a pretty harsh indictment. So basically, they've they've abandoned God. Um, they have rejected uh, God. They've they've deserted Him. They've gone towards other gods to worship them, gods that really didn't do anything for them. Um, and they forgot the God that had taken care of them, that had protected them. Um, and ultimately, we we once again see the mother fatherly image. Um, where where God was the one that fathered Israel, who gave him birth, who protected him, who fed him. And now we see um, Israel, which we were talking about this earlier. Um, Jeshurun is a basically a poetic term for Israel. And so Israel is ultimately the one being indicted for, for their, um, choosing to dishonor and disobey their father, um, who had protected them and taken care of them so far. Um, in the Old Testament, um, that kind of disobedience um, or that kind of treatment to a mother or father would basically be the death penalty. So that's kind of a harsh indictment, and um, usually the sentence would not be necessarily exciting if, if that's <laughs> what you were being accused of. Yeah, that's a, so you're saying if you're indicted under these charges, you're like— up a creek. Pretty much, yeah. You're if you're found guilty, you're toast. Right, absolutely. So really, I guess God has all right um, under this type of of accusation to be or indictment to go all out. Mm. Yay. <laughs> so, what do you have? Uh, the uh, uh, so I looked into the yeah we've talked about the. Je- I can't say Jeshurun, 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 Jeshurun. Yeah, um, the surrounding that verse, that whole like you grew fat, stout, sleek. Um, the uh, language there uh, is basically like one who's taking credit for. Mm-hmm. So they're taking credit for all the good things that happen. So right. God's like, I'm gonna bless you if you do X, Y, and Z. And then like when the blessings come around, they're like, Well, it's my hard work. I did it. And so you're you're resting in your provision as opposed to like, you know, celebrating what God did Mm -hmm. in that case. So I'm guessing, uh, strike one is taking credit for what God did. Mm -hmm. So even before we get to the, the major charge of you, uh, disobeying your parents or dishonoring your parents, we're, we're starting right out with, all right, strike one, you, you know, you're taking credit. And we're warned way back in well, way back in the early parts of Deuteronomy mm-hmm. that to be careful not to do that. Yeah. Um, because it's easy to do that. And after being taken care of for so long, it's just like they, they forgot why it is that they're in the place where they're at and who it is that took care of them, et cetera. Yeah. Then they, then they get on a strike too. Uh, they forsook God who made him. And so the... Uh, the language there, if you're reading just that, I always say like that one shovel layer deeper, you're digging mm-hmm. down one scoop, uh, to forsake something or abandon something is not an accident. Right. Like we, if, if you lose something, that's an accident. If you forget something, 
that's an accident. If you forsake or abandon something, you're leaving it out on purpose. Mm. So if you abandon a puppy, it's not because you forgot to call the dog and get him into the car. It's because you purposely left the puppy behind. Right. If you abandon or forsake a kid, it's because you're a terrible human being, which we all are, and you left that uh, child behind on purpose. So if you are forsaking or abandoning God, it's not just a, like you slowly drifted away and walked away. It's an intentional, I'm walking away and abandoning. Right. So strike two is there's an intentional walking away right on this so it's like it's almost like he's stacking the charges like all right let's start with the misdemeanors you think you did it yourself mm-hmm. all right let's work work at felony one you abandoned it right. you abandoned god and then he kind of gets a little bit deeper and talks about um i hope they stirred him to jealousy with strange gods now it's like uh all right i understand that part you're you're doing something dumb but you think you did it yourself right you abandoned me really that so you're going to leave me out here oh not only that you're going to turn to somebody else the one who really blessed you the one who really created you the one who really gave you this land you're going to go give that power to something else and then he goes on verse 17 that is actually uh berating all of the other gods so to say you sacrifice to demons is essentially saying you sacrifice to something that's completely powerless mm. because the demons are the lowest in the like hierarchy basically it's like you know god his angels and then if you want to ascribe any kind of power to something but if you read job you see the job that satan doesn't have power mm-hmm. to do anything he wants he's still under the threshold of what he, god will let him do yep. um, and then on top of that the demons basically have to be in the chain of command the lowest right so he's saying you sacrifice to the lowest possible being you could hmm. like the one that has the least amount of power so like he's he's like belittling their running to foreign gods at this point saying like um uh you sacrificed ones you never knew they never did anything for you you don't know who they are you were just told you know this is a good one or you made one up off the top of your head there's never been proof that this god did anything um and then like uh there are new gods that had come recently so like oh brand new inventions new gods that you're making Mm -hmm. up as you go along kind of thing and then finally it's uh um whom your fathers had never dreaded. So like they knew about like Dagon and Baal and stuff like, well, not Dagon yet. I got ahead of myself. Dagon comes from the Philistines later. Right. Mm -hmm. So like Baals and Asherahs and things like that, like they had already dreaded those gods because of the people that worship them. And now they're worshiping ones that like have no reputation. Mm. There's like no history behind them. So it's just interesting that he like, he takes the time to stack the charges and then he belittles like what they've turned to. Hmm. So it'd be like, you know, almost comical, but like, have you seen the, uh, is it, is it progressive insurance? Uh, I don't know. They've got some interesting commercials. Uh, The the one that there's like the kids sitting around and the guys like trying to explain like, uh, like, like their, how their discounts work or something like that and whatever. It's like the progressive like sales rep. He's like the insurance rep. Uh And the mom's like, Hey, this is so-and-so he's going to tell you about these, you know, this car insurance discounts or whatever. And the kid's like, you're not my dad. Okay. I think I have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like the, I feel like there's a little bit of like, you know, like uh, almost like God's like, you don't even know that person. Like he's not your dad. (laughs) It's kind of that same like connotation. I mean, I know God would obviously do it with a much more authoritative non- whiny teenager voice absolutely but, but it's definitely like this like you're gonna go to that he's not even like he's not even your dad he's mm. not even real it's like he's, he's your fake dad like right it just seems like like there's more of this like 
you don't know what you're getting yourself into. It's like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Kind of. So I just found that to be, I don't know, in a way, kind of, kind of humorous. Right. Like God's like, Oh, you're going to go to that. It can't even like, what, what could it really do for you? Mm-hmm. Nothing. You made it up. Like, it's just this big slam. Like, like I gave you this sweet sports car over here and you're going to go over there and take a bicycle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like my car is going to run you over and you're going to go with the bicycle. Right. You think you're going to flee on the bicycle when my car will go from zero to 60 in three seconds and your bicycle will never get to 60. Right. That's what you're going to go for. Okay, fine. I'm out. You know, kinda, mm-hmm. this is a really like putting in the, in the place. Uh, and finally, last but not least, we love to sanitize language. So, uh, the, uh, you were unmindful of the rock that bore you. Mm. You and you forget the God, uh, who gave, uh, gave you birth. Like those were very, the terminology there is very graphic, uh, as far as like what birth is. And what labor pains are and like what goes along with it. Really? So God is saying at this point, like it, it's a graphic reminder that God uh, bore Israel and formed and raised it. Hmm. It's like, it, I, I won't say anything on this podcast, but it's like, you know where you came from? You came from there. I bore, I, I gave you birth. And it's not like in the, I'll take you in this world. I'll take you out. It's like a, a anatomical Remember where you came from. Okay. Kind of thing. It's a very graphic depiction of God saying, I gave birth to you. Wow. Don't you forget it. Kind of thing. It, okay. It's, it, it is a mic drop. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Moses really is kind of like, it, it's not a happy, it's not a Chris Tomlin song. Well, well if, if I'm sitting on the jury right now, it's not looking good for Israel. Like <laughs> God has come with this. I mean, look at how powerful he is. Look how good he is. How I mean, justice, faithfulness, using yeah. all of these terminologies. I'm, rock. Yeah. I'm here for you. Yeah. All of this terminology to show how good God is. And then you see all of these hor I mean, horrible things that Israel or the, his child is doing to their father. Who's been so gracious, loving throughout the entire time. It's like, man, like really? Then you spit my face, threw me out in the field and right. try to get yourself a new mom. Right. <laughs> So it's it's not looking good for for Israel from this perspective. Yeah. Um, so with that, I guess next week we'll start with the sentencing. So um, we've seen kind of the beginning of the court case. We know all the major players. Um, we'll kind of review who those major players are next week, and then really what uh, what charges are being brought before Israel. Um, and then we'll kind of see what happens as as decisions are made, um, and kind of go from there. Yeah. Very. Once again. Very interesting if you really just kind of like, and I encourage you, everybody reading your Bibles, yep. give it an extra five minutes of thought. Uh, grab a commentary that's a good one. We recommend Christopher J.H. Wright's mm-hmm. uh, on Deuteronomy, and I got the one by Michael Grisanti on yep. Deuteronomy. These little shovel scoop deepers just like add so much depth to it. Because if you're just reading through it and you're like, oh, yeah, whatever, it's a song. You know, when I like when I see Hannah's song, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, here we go gotta read a song like yeah. i'd never get into it but when you really one layer deeper and you might be surprised at what it's saying mm-hmm. and how much more like depth there is we just have that unfortunate sanitization sometimes yeah. where it's like well we want to make it acceptable to all readers and but stay true to the you know original languages so we kind of get these you know oh you, you uh got fat and 
uh, abandon God. And it, like, it doesn't hold the power when you really take a second to think about what that stuff is. And then there's so much. That, I mean, the Bible can definitely speak for itself in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's something something incredibly powerful when you can mix the history and you can mix language and all of these things to really pull out the narrative and pull out the text and pull out what it is that God's trying to speak um, through the words in Scripture. And and again, it doesn't just last in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament and, and really just um, in how we understand who God is and how he relates with us. Um, so again, I think it makes it much more powerful when you have the opportunity to, to really dig in and, and, and study it. Uh, and by no means is there anything wrong with with really reflecting over God's word and, and reading it through without a commentary. Yeah, but a devotional the, style. Yeah, is, no, that's fine. But the commentary can very much offer some depth into what God is doing. And, and I think for me, that's where the excitement comes in. It's like, oh, my gosh. OK, that passage was cool before, but it's even more awesome now when you understand yeah. all of the different ways that, that God is trying to address his people um, through scripture. Yeah. If you're wrestling with something or frustrated with something, don't be afraid to dig one step. You don't have to know Hebrew. You don't have to know chiastic structures or inclusios or whatever. Yep. Uh, you just one, one step deeper and you might be surprised. It doesn't even have to be a crazy academic commentary or whatever. Just, you know, as long as it's good. Well, Christopher writes an easy read. Um, yeah, wonder, and I think does a really good, I mean, more. <laughs> I mean, it does a really good job of, of making it interesting and pulling th- those things out. And it's, mm-hmm. I don't even know how many pages is cause I have it on it's Kindle, like, but nine ninety nine on Kindle probably. Yeah. And you can probably get it cheaper on sometimes. I think it's like brand new 15 bucks. Yeah. It might be a hundred, 200 ish. I don't know how many pages. pages. Not yeah. Bucks. Yeah. No, no. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty cheap online. And then, um, from a page perspective, I don't know how many pages it's got. I don't even want to guess, but it's yeah. it's a fairly small book. This is um, great if you get stuck somewhere and you want to keep going. You don't even yeah. have to read all 200 pages. Right. Just right. the ones that I like, get you. But yeah, uh, we were up against, man. Are we really? Yeah, we, okay. we killed it. Uh, so uh, keep studying one step deeper. Make that search go a little bit deeper. And uh, next time, we'll see you guys. Cool. Bye.